Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. All right. Well, this is the, the last session uh, or lesson on this idea of spiritual gifts and giftedness. And um, our resource comes from the book by David K. Bernard called Spiritual Gifts. So we encourage you, if you would like to read a book in more detail about this subject, that's the book to read. We covered over these last number of weeks the idea that spiritual gifts are demonstrated and discussed throughout the New Testament. So we are a New Testament church. We're a spirit-filled church. And what that means is that we believe that there are gifts associated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. In particular, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 really are uh, references to spiritual gifts. And in particular, Romans 12 is really talking about service gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, the ministerial gifts. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, spiritual gifts. And those are the gifts that we, in particular, have been talking about for the last number of weeks. I want us to look in our Bibles tonight. We're going to quickly go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just uh, re-highlight this verse so it's fresh on our mind as we talk about this tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So Paul is, is making sure that they understand the importance of spiritual gifts. I'm going to drop down to verse number 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, concerning this particular passage, we have discussed the gifts of revelation. Gifts of revelation being the three gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. These gifts listed involve a direct impartation um, of insight or understanding from the mind of God to us. So, God imparts his mind to us. Then there are the gifts of power. We talked about about those last week, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And these gifts involve the visible works that come by the power of God. Tonight, I want to conclude this series by talking about gifts of utterance, gifts of utterance. And we are going to uh, finish this series tonight with... Uh, just highlighting these and uh, helping us understand why these are important to the church. These gifts are God-given in which he will anoint people to communicate thoughts from his mind to the church. Now, if you grew up in an apostolic church, some Pentecostal churches, This is maybe you're more familiar with this topic. But if you haven't grown up in a Pentecostal church or an apostolic church, depending on maybe what church or if you went to a church, this this can seem a a little bit strange. And so we want to to try to, to, to simplify this a little bit and help us understand why this is valuable. The idea is that the speaker... Whoever receives this gift is a speaker who proclaims words for edification and exhortation and, as the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, for the comfort of men. So it's it's a gift that 
requires a proclamation of words, typically, most often in a public setting. And it's, it, a lot of times, for a lot of people, this can be one of the more terrifying gifts to be asked by God to do. And it's something, though, that brings great value to a church and a body of believers. So let's talk about this first gift, gift of tongues. The Greek word for tongue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 is glossa, and it's like the word in English, tongue. It refers to first the organ in the body, the tongue, but then by extension, it is speaking specifically about the spoken language. So when you hear the word tongues, it's speaking about a specific language. And so when we look at this passage we, in, in Corinthians chapter 12, we realize that that's what it's talking about. The gift of tongues is speaking specifically about a spoken language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul makes this clear, this idea of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So it's saying that the speaker does not understand the words that he is saying. So when, when Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of tongues, it's speaking to the fact that the speaker does not understand what he is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit praise, but my understanding is what? Unfruitful. So he does not know. It's something that we do not know. Our spirit, for those of you who pray in tongues often, you, you feel something, but most often you do not have an idea of what you are saying. And Paul indicates that. It's a mystery. What you're praying is a mystery, even to the person who is speaking in tongues. Now, I would like to take a moment here and make a distinction. Uh, distinction between the experience of receiving the Holy Spirit and the experience of being used in the gift of tongues. Now, we see in Scripture that speaking in tongues is the initial sign that accompanies baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the classic examples are the Jewish believers on the day of Pentecost. Let's look at that. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we realize when this happened, they spoke in a language that they did not understand. Now, let's continue. So they received the Holy Spirit, and what happened? They spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 10, verse number 44, the Gentile household of Cornelius While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. The Jews were astonished. Why were they astonished? As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know the Spirit was poured out? Next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anybody, anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? What does he say? Just as we have. Why did he say that? Because he's referencing the day of Pentecost. When they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. And so these Gentiles now received the Holy Spirit. How did they know they received the Holy Spirit? They spoke in tongues. That was the evidence to Peter that they had received the Holy Spirit. And therefore, they should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right. Then we find the disciples of John. 
So John preached a a baptism of repentance, so Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we have not heard uh, so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should receive, re- believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So again, this evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on them, it came with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Then we see that the day of Pentecost, so we go back to Acts chapter 2, illustrates to us that while speaking in tongues is always unknown to the speaker, it is possible for a bystander to have a natural human knowledge of the tongue that is being spoken and so to understand what is being said. So in Acts chapter 2, they received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. Acts chapter 2, verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, look, are not all these Galileans? How did they understand our language? How did they learn our language? We know where they came from. So, in other words, the speaker did not understand the language, but it was possible for a bystander who knew that language to understand it. And so, this experience of speaking in other tongues is the initial sign that the Holy Spirit has come on the individual. Now, I want to make one other quick reference here about this. This gift, what we realize is this gift of receiving the Holy Spirit. This gift of receiving the Holy Spirit is for all people. It's for all who would believe on Jesus Christ. We know this, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, because once they have this, they watch this experience, these, these devout Jews, they see this experience, they think they're drunk. And they question Peter. Peter preaches to them in Acts chapter 2, 37. Men and, they ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that word gift there is Doria. Everyone say Doria. Not Dora, Doria. All right, so... Peter says, you're going to receive the Doria of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For, you're going to receive this, why? Because the promise is for you. He tracks it back to Luke chapter 24 where Jesus said he's going to send forth the promise of the Father. He said, this promise is for you. But it's not just for you. It's for your children and to all that are afar off. It's for everyone to receive the Holy Spirit, to have that initial experience of receiving the Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. He said it's for everyone. Now, we come to Acts chapter 10. We talked about Cornelius, the Gentile, who received it. This gift of the Holy Spirit, they received as well. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on him. We read this. Those who of the circumcision, the Jews who were with them, believed, were astonished because uh, they received the gift, the Doria of the Holy Spirit, and they had, it had been poured out on them just as it had fallen on the Gentiles. And so those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift. The Doria of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. How did they know that the Doria of the Holy Spirit had been poured out? Because they heard them speak with tongues. So Doria is the word that means God is the gift. God is the gift. The Holy Spirit, 
That is the gift. And so when we receive God into our life, we have this experience of God baptizing, with, baptizing us with his presence, changing our language, taking control of our life, us surrendering everything to him, and therefore we speak in tongues. We have this experience of speaking in another language. So that's the Doria. But when Paul talks about the gift of tongues... In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he does not use the word Doria to talk about gifts or spiritual gifts of tongues. He talks about it in terms of, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gift there is charisma. It's a different word than what is used to describe the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The word charisma is used. So when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kind of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one in the same Spirit works all these things. The word that he uses there for gift is different and speaks towards an individual's ability to do something. It's the ability to do something. It's not Jesus Christ being the gift in us. It's our ability to have a gift to do something. It's the difference between you being a gift, hopefully your wife or your husband or significant other feels like you're a gift. You're a gift. But if You give them something that's separate from you. It's a different type of gift, isn't it? And so that's exactly what it is. The Doria, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is God is the gift. The charisma is something God gives us, an ability to do something. So you may ask, well, what's the big deal about that? Why is that important? It's important because there are those who would say that speaking in tongues when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not important or necessary. And so they use passages that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to make their argument. Do all, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 30, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, love never fails. And whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But again, we have to keep what Paul is writing in context here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. What is he writing about? He's writing about the charisma that God puts in our life. Do all have gifts of healing? The answer's no. Do all speak in tongues? The answer's no. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. And so this is the context. What comes from a life that has already been filled with the Doria of the Spirit is the charisma of God. When you receive the Doria of the Holy Spirit, you are then empowered with charisma to to offer, to do something significant for his kingdom. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He specifically talks about the, the gift of different kinds of tongues. So let's talk about gifts of tongues real quick, excuse me. The gift of tongue, tongues is the gift of supernatural utterance in one or more languages unknown to the speaker for the purpose of getting the attention of the church. So let me unpack that a little bit. We first understand that these are tongues or languages. The language can be one that is used in the world today, or it could be one that's extinct, It could also be a language that is a unique language specifically created by God to be spoken by one individual. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 refers to the tongues of what? Men and angels, which implies that someone could speak in an angelic tongue. And angels are spirit beings, and we do not know how to communicate with them, but Perhaps there is a language. When we speak in tongues, it is possible we could be speaking on behalf of God to the spirit world. So, 
The gift of tongues is something that not only do we believe is possible, we experience here at the Calvary Church. It's outside of the experience of the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We encourage people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, try to help them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our Sunday morning services. But there is also an experience, a gift of tongues that operates uh, at times in our church, and I'm thankful for. And you've probably experienced people speaking in tongues uh, in in different ways. I've got to hear people speak in tongues in different uh, parts of the world, and what's interesting is the phenomenon is pretty much the same, the experience, the expression. It looks the same as what happens here. This summer when we were in Palau, it was amazing to watch those young people and those people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. I was at a Purpose Institute director's meeting a few weeks ago in St. Louis, Missouri, and we met with a group who was wanting to, is wanting to start a deaf ministry campus for Purpose Institute. And so several of the people there were deaf, and they were meeting with us. And so they spoke to us through sign language with an interpreter. But after we finished the meeting, we began to pray. And it was amazing. It was beautiful to watch the power of God fall on that small gathering in that little hotel conference room. And we watched, I watched as those deaf leaders began to speak in tongues with their mouth. They began to utter words with their mouth. And I I tell you, it was an absolutely amazing experience. I know the story of my grandfather. I've shared that with you before where uh, his conversion to Christianity, my, my dad's dad uh, was, is, was Jewish, and uh, anyway, long story short, he came into an apostolic church, and the guy who invited him started speaking in tongues, and the guy was speaking in tongues in Hebrew, and my grandfather understood what he was saying, and that's how he converted we were at a service in Columbus when I was youth pastor at Turnpoint, and there were uh, we were praying in a service, and somebody began to speak in tongues. We were all praying, and it wasn't a tongue interpretation, but was praying in tongues. And after the service, there was a lady who was from Russia, and she said that one of the people who were speaking in tongues were speaking in tongues in Russian. And speaking in tongues uh, is, a, is a powerful thing. Sometimes we, we don't really think about the fact that we could be speaking a dialect, but it does happen and it's very powerful. I uh, asked my dad to share a few stories with you um, about the, his experience with this, and I thought it would be meaningful. So I'm going to have them play this audio clip of him. I had the privilege of experiencing. Uh, someone speaking in tongues in English uh, two different times. The first time was, I think it was my very first trip to Brazil. And I was in Manaus with missionaries Benny DeMerchant and his wife. And uh, there was a special service that we were having, and I was the guest speaker. There were some people that had heard about us, I guess, through advertisement or word of mouth, and a father who had traveled... uh, basically an all-day journey to get his, his daughter uh, to the service, came for healing. And, of course, in those days, especially in Brazil, uh, you did not want to go to the hospital and have to have surgery. And this young girl was going to have to have surgery unless God healed her. And the chances of her surviving was, was very slim. Nevertheless, he made it to the service. After I preached, uh, Sister the Merchant walked up to me and said, Brother Ellis, this is the father that called about his daughter who, who has got to have surgery. And he brought her for you to pray for her. So we began to pray for the daughter. But as we were praying for the daughter, uh, God actually filled the father with the Holy Ghost. And he began speaking in tongues. But then Sister... Sister Demerge said, Brother Ellis, listen, listen. And he was speaking in tongues in very clear English. 
And as I stood there and I watched and observed tears streaming down his face as he was speaking in tongues, all of a sudden, the Lord, through him, spoke a message to me. And the Lord said to me, you will be amazed at what you see me do this night. And, of course, my goosebumps had goosebumps. I began to weep and cry. Uh, and God did amazing miracles that night, and none better than actually that young girl being completely healed. And to God be the glory. The second time was when my wife and I were in the country of Yugoslavia. And we had been there for three months. And while we were there, at the very end of our time there, we were asked if we would speak, have a special service for the young people. And, uh, and so, of course, I, I was honored to do that. We had an incredible move of God. Uh, at the close of the service and the message, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Their worship and praise sounded like the roar of the waterfalls. It was so loud. And all of a sudden, as only God can do, the house became silent. All except one young girl, probably 14 or 15 years old, who was on the very first row. And I noticed her and how she was weeping, her hands stand, or her hands lifted as she was standing there. And of course, it was so loud, you couldn't hear her. Uh, but then I watched this young lady, and without lowering her arms, she just dropped to her knees, continued to worship God, tears paving highways down her cheeks. All at once, as only God can do, he brought a holy hush on the audience. And there wasn't a sound except that young lady. And of course, it only took seconds to realize what was going on. I looked at my translator. Her eyes were as big around as silver dollars. My wife and I, we ran over and stood right in front of the girl. Now remember, she's on her knees with her hands lifted. But, and her eyes closed, but she is speaking in tongues in perfect English. It sounded just like we would worship the Lord in English. I love you, Jesus. You are wonderful. Thank you, God. I praise you. Hallelujah, Jesus. That type of thing. Just in very clear, distinct English. My wife and I stood in front of her, of course. Tears are streaming down our face. Goosebumps are popping up all over us. But then all of a sudden... She began to say these words, Jesus, you are the one true God of the Bible. Jesus, you are the one true God of the Bible. Jesus, you are the one true God of the Bible over and over and over. Mm. I feel those goosebumps even right now as I'm, as I'm speaking to you. And uh, it was an incredible, incredible experience. And of course, I understand why God allowed me to hear that because my real father was a converted Jew, was converted by hearing a man speaking in tongues in perfect Hebrew. I don't know what he heard, actually. I know when he went in the church service, he went in believing Jesus was a curse word. When he came out of that church service, he believed Jesus was the one true God of the Bible. And I truly believe that what God allowed my wife and I to hear that day was the very thing my dad must have heard that brought such an incredible conversion experience to him. Then, of course, he was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and preached the gospel and all over the United States. And then, of course, he died when I was five years old. But that experience in Yugoslavia was one that I will never, ever, ever forget. I confirmed with the pastor, with the, the, the parents, with the youth pastor... With the girl herself, she could not speak English. She could speak Russian. She could speak Slavic. She could speak uh, uh, Serbo-Croatian. But she could not speak English. But of course, that day, she was speaking very clear and very distinct English. And of course, we understand Jesus is, in fact, the one true God of the Bible. Interesting, just, just a few minutes after that service, the smaller children during that service was outside playing. All of a sudden, 
they just began to come into the to the building. Nobody went out and got them. They just began to come into the building, and without anybody touching them, God began to fill those children with the Holy Ghost as well. It was it was quite a God moment in our lives. One of the greatest experiences that we ever had. And uh, so, if there's anyone in the audience that has any question about if tongues are real and if the Holy Ghost is real. Uh, trust me when I tell you, it's very real. Thank you, and God bless. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome testimony? So when we consider speaking in tongues, we realize that speaking in tongues can be for a private, personal devotion or intercessory prayer, and some of you have experienced that. Praying in tongues is something that we can do, and we develop uh, and grow our sensitivity towards God Uh, But we also realize that speaking in tongues can be a gift that God pours onto somebody in a particular meeting for a very specific purpose. And why would God prompt somebody to speak in an unknown tongue in a gathering like that? It's that God simply stated, it's that God wants the group to know that he's getting ready to speak. It's an alert that he's wanting to speak. And so when somebody is prompted by the Spirit to speak a word in tongues in a public form, we realize it is intended for public edification. Now, again, we speak in tongues in our services all the time, but as my dad mentioned, we, we are familiar with this feeling, this idea when, when God really wants to speak in a, uh, a way, gifts of tongues or interpretation of tongues, usually a lot of times the, the audience grows quiet. It's, a, it's just a spiritual phenomenon and it's something that I can remember as a kid. That's just uh, amazing how that works. But this gift of tongues is to prompt the congregation that God wants to speak. And then there's the gift of interpretation. So this discloses the actual message that God would want to convey. And so interpretation simply means to explain the meaning. So to put it in a a definition, the gift to interpret tongues is the supernatural ability to translate or explain the meaning of a public utterance of tongues. And so... We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 12, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in tongue pray that he may interpret. So the idea is that God would want to speak. He uses tongues and then wants to follow that up with an interpretation. So let's consider a few things about interpretation of tongues. In many cases, it is impossible to translate one word for one word in any language. So you can try to go from English to Spanish or Spanish to French or uh, French to Chinese or whatever. When you try to translate or interpret something, it's nearly impossible to translate this word equals this word. A lot of times it's phrases, it's meaning. Uh, how it's said uh, will be different. And so when we realize when the interpretation of tongues comes, that it uh, comes in a way that might seem different than the person who spoke in tongues. It might have a different cadence. It might have a different length. And that is not unlike interpretation in the natural world. And so we realize that's not something to be alarmed about. If somebody gives a quick tongues and, ter- tongues and somebody gives a long interpretation or vice versa, that just might mean that the Lord was trying to alert and that the interpretation is just different. Uh, then the, the, the actual interpretation varies in length, I should say. So God gives interpretations according also to the speaker's ability to speak their understanding, and their expectation. So when somebody gives an interpretation of tongues, when they're moved on to interpret, God is not going to have them speak with a different accent. If they speak with a southern accent, the interpretation is going to be in a southern accent. God's going to let them use their words. He's going to allow them to use the way that they would say it the way they would express it. It doesn't come, interpretation of tongues isn't real only if it's spoken in the King James language. These and thous, 
It has to have a few these and thous in order for it to be legit. No, it could be pretty simple. It could be uh, in an a accent that might be difficult to understand. It, it, it could be uh, have some mispronounced words in it. I can, I can tell you from experience, from s- some of my most anointed preaching comes a lot of mispronounced words. Doesn't mean anything. Substandard grammar. Some of you who are English majors, you're like, nope, God wouldn't say it like that. God does not use words. He did not use the word ain't. He, he doesn't use that. But God does. He uses them in their language, in their dialect. Some, dialect. Sometimes it's, it's a, a, a visual. Somebody sees a picture and they're trying to describe what they're seeing as the interpretation. All right? So they're going to describe it in a way that their language and their ability and knowledge allows. And different people receive interpretations different. But Paul gives very specific guidelines for this gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three, or two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So that's, that's a little bit scary and it's very specific. So, so what, what would be the purpose of that? I, I think the purpose there is that God is not the author of confusion. And so two or three, the Bible talks about a two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Okay, so there's, there's a, a, I think, biblical precedent for two or three, but he's saying that it's not going to take an army of people to interpret what God is trying to say. And in turn... If somebody, if no one interprets, let them keep silent. Don't force the issue. Don't try to create something. So we feel like there's an interpretation. Let him speak to himself and to God. And so why would there be no interpreter? What, what would be a cause for that? I, I think that there might be a, a couple reasons. So my dad talked about his moment there where somebody began to speak in tongues. The holy hush came she began to pray in tongues, and that was specific to him, the hearer, the one who could understand the language. That was very specific to him. Now, he doesn't say this. I would have to ask them, but if I had to guess, I'd probably say that he probably told the congregation that night what happened, that somebody spoke in English. But it was, in that setting, it would be like, well, who's going to interpret? Who's going to interpret? The, the Russian-speaking people there would have been wondering who's the interpreter. And so it could be that God is speaking individually. It could be for the benefit of the person that's praying. Or someone we know has not yielded to the full expression of God, the interpretation. And, and again, it, it can be a terrifying thing to feel like you're wanting to speak publicly because um, I've heard people talk about, well, God only gave me one word. And so they have to jump off the cliff with that one word. And that's a scary thing. And so there's a, there's a fear that is associated with that. But uh, I've had several times, even in this church, where a tongue has went forth and then somebody comes up afterward and says, I had it. I was just afraid. And so that, that happens too, but we don't get upset or get out, been out of shape about it. We realize that the Lord is working, and so the next time that happens, somebody will be maybe a little more sensitive. They've experienced what it feels like to have the touch of the Lord. So it's not a failure if somebody doesn't interpret, but at the end of the day, God wants to speak to his people. And so we often sense this in the services and uh, it's a great experience. Just a, uh, a few times uh, I've experienced in interpretation of tongues in a service, it's a very captivating experience. As my dad mentioned, that hush, that sense of awe. It was just a few months ago, August 28th, uh, 2019, the Sunday morning here, where we had just a, a real unique move of God in the service. When I got up to preach, 
I didn't feel I couldn't get past what I was feeling, and so we allowed the service to kind of move in a direction. And it was in that service that I believe, Marty, uh, if, I'm, if I understand right, you gave a tongues. The gift of tongues came on you, and you began to speak. What did that do for all of us? It alerted us to the fact that God wants to speak something to us. God is saying something to us. And then I believe it was Joe Wilson who gave the interpretation, and uh, basically it was that God sees where we are, that, there, that some may feel like you're in a desert place, and times are quiet, but he's, God said, I know your name, and I'm going to bring you through a season of barrenness to a season of the miraculous. And it was shortly thereafter, just a month later, that we, and it was during that service, if you remember, it was after that word came that I think three people or four people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it was just a few months later where we saw in our revival services, uh, God did amazing things. And, and again, Nate, you're here, so I'll pick on you. Nate, Nate, the experience of Nate being healed, that miraculous. So the Word of God prepared us for a season of that. And so it's a very powerful experience. And then finally, uh, the last vocal gift that I'll talk about tonight is the uh, gift of prophecy. And it simply means to speak under the inspiration of God, to speak under the inspiration of God. Prophecy is the gift of supernatural utterance directly from God in the language of the speaker and the hearers. And so we realize in the, the Bible it talks about prophets, that, that God would, would give prophets uh, information about the future. And so um, that's true. Prophecy is sometimes a foretelling of the future. But that's not all that prophecy is. So when we hear prophecy or we see prophecy in the New Testament, it's not just about, hey, I'm going to tell you what's happening in your future. Prophecy has, it's, it, in a general sense, it's, it's speech anointed by God uh, to declare what is unknown, to declare what is unknown from God, to declare it to his people. It could include a prediction of the future, but it also can speak of other things. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul seems to distinguish that there are moments of prophecy. There's a moment where God speaks through somebody and it's clearly a, they can hear it, they can understand it, and the person speaking it can understand it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse number 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So what that's saying, it doesn't mean that they're better than somebody else. What it means, it's more beneficial to those in the audience if there's an interpretation or there's a clear language that they can understand. And so prophecy comes and it really gives us uh, a word from God that is, for whatever reason, not required to have a tongues or an interpretation of that tongue. Um, I'll say this, that just because somebody is used in the, the gift of prophecy doesn't necessarily mean they're a prophet as it is applied in Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have time to talk about that, but that doesn't mean that they're a prophet. And it doesn't mean that every time that they are the person that needs to give a prophecy. So God could give you a prophecy. God could give you a word that edifies the body, uh, and you would maybe not classify yourself as a prophet or have the office of a prophet. And, and maybe that's another subject for another time. But uh, prophecy comes times, the gift of prophecy sometimes comes through a sermon. So I've had that happen where I'm speaking, I'm preaching, or I'm preparing a message, and all of a sudden I feel a word that's very specific. It's very uh, specific to something that's going on in the church, and uh, that, that is uh, a gift of prophecy. Again, I don't consider myself a prophet. Someone in the congregation may address the congregation, as we mentioned, in a known tongue. Uh, and then God may also 
use you to prophesy or speak something to somebody individually. And uh, that can happen as well. You can find the gift of prophecy in the book of Acts and Acts chapter 11, 27 through 28. I'm not going to read it for sake of time. And then in uh, Acts chapter 21, Philip, the evangelist, you've heard of Philip maybe in Acts chapter 8. Philip, the evangelist, had four, uh, not four daughters. Yes, he did. He had four daughters. And I'm sure Pastor Pasley preached about that. Had four daughters, and they, the Bible says that they prophesied. These daughters prophesied. And so, in order for the writer of Luke or the writer of Acts, who is Luke, to write that, there must have been something significant about that. They were used in that gift often, and it, and it was above and beyond what would be normal. And so, uh, I've experienced prophecy to uh, at different times. Uh, one that stands out for me is when I was about 19 years old, it was prophesied to me that, that uh, in short, that I would have an impact on the lives of young people around the world. And at the time, I had just come out of Bible school, and I was sure, still trying to get my feet wet on, or uh, my feet solidified, I should say, on what I was doing in ministry. And uh, that prophecy, uh, I would realize would come to pass uh, many, many years later, and to this day, it's something that I realized that God was preparing me for. Um, now, I think the careful thing we have to do is, is beware of seeking prophecy or seeking, always seeking confirmation this way. Many times, prophecy is a confirmation of what you already feel, something you've already been called to, but you need to make sure that there's two or three witnesses. Every prophecy should have two or three witnesses, and uh, I think that's important. My dad always says that when he tells somebody, and if you know my dad, he's, he's used in uh, this gift in uh, very personal ways, and he always tells the person he speaks to. When he has a thus saith God moment with somebody, he always says, at the end of the day, you need to judge whether this is right or not. You need to judge. You need to figure out if this is right or not, because we all have the capacity to be wrong. And so I think that's a that's a, a very important. You can you can have you can use godly counsel. You can use the word of God. You can also use you know when somebody talks to you whether or not you feel uh, feel a witness in the spirit. So what we realize is that. The purpose of these spiritual gifts, these nine spiritual gifts, are ultimately to exalt Jesus Christ and to benefit the body of Christ. And what we need at the Calvary Church is for people to be bold in the spirit, to be courageous, that there should never be a time when we walk into this room on a Sunday morning that we shouldn't be praying, God, use me in some way. It could be a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, the gifts of healing, gift of faith. It could be tongues, interpretation of tongues, or prophecy. Whatever it is, I believe the Lord wants to continue to use us in a great way because there is power when God's word goes forth among us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you two minutes. Two minutes, and if you're sitting next to somebody... I want you to ask them, have you ever been used in or experienced the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, or the gift of prophecy? Maybe you have a word of prophecy for the person sitting next to you. This would be a good time to share that with them. So have you ever been used in the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, or the gift of prophecy, or have you ever experienced it? Have you ever experienced it in a unique way? We need some music to help us. Two minutes.
All right, why don't you stand? Thank God for the legacy of this church, the great people who have gone before us, who paved the way for us to have the gifts of the Spirit freely operating in our church. And I, I pray that this series has just enlightened you, maybe reminded you, empowered you to be used by God because we all need each other being sensitive to the Spirit. I need your gifts, you need my gifts to be who you've been called to be and how we'll, really how we're going to make a difference in this city and in this region is through the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to pray and I want you to just sincerely ask the Lord to allow you to be used in whatever way he would want to use you and that you would have the courage to yield to his spirit. Lord, I thank you, God, for tonight. I thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have, God, as a body of believers to look into your word and not be afraid of what your word says, not be, God, misinformed, but, Lord, to to really look at it and realize that God, it can have an impact on our lives today. It's not just something written 2,000 years ago for that church, but it's written for us today because you're still moving. You're still speaking, God. You're still healing. You're still working. And I pray, God, for everyone under the sound of my voice, if they're watching tonight, if they're, they're in this room tonight, I pray there would be a fresh courage to surrender to your spirit, to yield to the Spirit, Lord, whatever you would ask of us, that when we come into this building on Sundays, Lord, that we would not be afraid, we would not just let it be something we watch, but Lord, I pray there would be something that says we need to participate in what the Spirit is doing every time that we gather. I even pray, Lord, for our life group leaders. I pray there would be the Spirit of God represented in our life groups, that, God, you would have the ability, if you would so choose, to, God, take our life groups and allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate in those meetings. Lord, that you would speak through us. There would be healings that take place. God, words of wisdom, discernment of spirits. God, I pray that gift of tongues, the the interpretation, God, would happen in Uh, our homes and in our gatherings all over this city, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit operate freely among us, Lord. We pray for an open heaven. We pray for an open heaven in our lives, in our hearts. We pray for an open heaven in our congregation, Lord, on Sunday mornings that your spirit would have free reign in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And somebody said amen. 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 Uh, I want to... Uh, just uh, thank you all for being here. And again, next week is going to be uh, a great, great time where we start a new series. So make sure you're here for that. God bless you. Find somebody you haven't talked to yet. Tell them how glad you are to see them at the Calvary Church tonight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.